0: Section three of Prowling About Panama. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Betty B. Prowling About Panama by George A. Miller. Section three Picturesque Panama. A Panamanian cart loaded with English tea biscuits drawn by an old American army mule, driven by a Hindu wearing a turban, drove up in front of a Chinese shop. The Jamaican clerk, aided by the San Blas errand boy, came out to supervise the unloading. The mule wriggled about out of position. A Spanish policeman came along and everybody got out and cussed the mule. That is Panama every day. Across the street is an Italian lace shop run by a Jew. Next door is a printery operated by a Costa Rican. Just beyond is a French laundry conducted by a man from Switzerland. And on the next corner is a beautiful Chinese store where they sell everything from Japan. Cloisonnet and lacquer and curious carvings, silks, embroideries, scientific instruments, they are all here. You can buy Canton linen, Hong Kong brass, Nico carvings, Hindu embroidery, German cutlery, French microscopes, Canadian flour, New York apples, and California grapes, all within a block. And the products of Central and South America are all about. The street in front of the shops is full of Panamanians, Peruvians, Ecuadorians, Chileans, Colombians, and San Blas Indians, besides some representatives of every country of North and South America, Europe, Asia, and Africa. Canal Zone Americans walk past Yankee businessmen and Native police crowd the Mestizos off the sidewalk. Panama is a jitney town, and the honk of the never-silent horn punctuates the clang and dash of the trolleys and automobiles down a 15-foot street in a mad race to see which can get through first. Overhanging roofs nearly touch above blooming orchids and talking birds that scream across the narrow streets. Gloomy interiors and stumbling stairways lead up to spacious apartments and breezy balconies. Above are occasional roof gardens. All the rooms have high ceilings, all the streets are paved, and all the kids wear clothes. Sometimes. There is no possible human shade or tint that is absent here. The Anglo-Saxons are white, more or less. The Jamaicans are black, mostly. The Panamanian is most often a soft and pleasing brown, done in a number of wholly unmatchable tints. And the natives from these many sunny countries round about are of every known color tone, from chrome yellow to Paris green. This is the human kaleidoscope of the earth. Shake it up and you will get a different result every time. You may not like it, but you can never truthfully say that Panama is not interesting all the time. The streets are clean, Daily sweepers and nightly garbage men take care of that. The sidewalks are narrow, of course. Perhaps these two-foot sidewalks account in part for the innate courtesy of the Latin mind. One must be either polite or profane when he makes his way along these little ledges, often two or three feet above the street. A portable stepladder would help some. Some of these houses are old, very old. A few are new, Most of them have stood here one or two hundred years. There are many three stories high. A few boast of four stories, but the most of them have but two. Third stories are popular because of the breezes that blow and make life comfortable. Plazas are small, but parked and well-kept, and they are used as only Latin Americans know how to use a plaza. The little ones are garden spot oases in the deserts of bare walls and wide eaves. Santa Ana Plaza is the heart of the city, and there is no hour of the day or night that there are not people there. If you really wish to see the world go by, sit on the stone bench at Santa Ana Plaza and look about you. If you stay long enough, you may see anybody, from the latest naked brown baby to the last chosen president of any country you may name. Sitting in the plaza is a business by itself in this country. The North American uses a park as a shortcut, cross corners to get somewhere. But with the tropic citizen, the plaza is an end in itself. He is not going anywhere. He is just sitting in the plaza. He may not even be called a bench warmer. The bench is already warm. He is sitting in the plaza, that's all. The band night parade in Santa Ana Plaza is an institution. Around the central garden they saunter, to the swing of the very good music from the central pavilion. The outer walk is wide, and so is the parade. Clockwise walks the inner circle, three abreast, all young men. In the opposite direction saunter the young women, also in threes. Round and round they go, talking, laughing, listening, looking, lingering, while the band plays on. It is a good band too, and not the least of the exhibit is the clothes the women wear. In matter of graceful and apparently comfortable costumes, the Panamanian girls need apologize to none of their Northern sisters. Who is to blame the boys if they keep on walking around for the sake of seeing the seeable, especially when she may be quite worth watching? Every added turn means one look more. It is all very dignified and proper, but human nature is the same old composition in every land, and the blood in the heart runs red no matter what the tint or tan without. In a land where the customs of chaperonage are exceeding strict and no young woman is supposed to be left alone with any young man for the briefest moment, it is easy to see why the band nights in the plaza are popular. Ostensibly, the young women, after the manner of their kind, have no interest in the young men, but just the same, their soft brown eyes have the same old way of wandering at the right moment. It is the same old trick and it works in the same old way. The cathedral plaza is rather a different matter. Here gather the elite in numbers on concert nights and more or less on other fair evenings. The grown-ups sit about on the benches and the children run and play, carefree and comfortable. Well-dressed and content, these are the best of the old native stock that used to live inside the walls of Panama that the Spanish king thought he should be able to see. There are usually a few Americans with the crowd, and it is a peaceful and restful family scene. Were it not for the incessant clatter of the trolleys and jitneys, the place would be a good rescure. But as matters now stand, there is too much pandemonium for any permanent peace. Out at the point of the seawall, near Cherokee prison, stands an old stone sentry box, It appears to belong to the prison now but there was a time when the outlook from that point on the bay of panama was the viewpoint of panamanian life as it faced the pacific and marked the place of departure for shores unknown it is prosaic enough now to stand beside the little old stone tower and watch a big liner leave the canal and throw back its smoke plume as it steams out to sea having left the Atlantic Ocean seven hours before. Gone with the days of the explorers and pirates are the mystery and menace of it all. The sentry box meant something then. Its lone occupant scanned anxiously the horizon for the sale that might mean fresh plunders, news from the world beyond, bountiful booty or stolen treasure, or perchance a fight to the finish with other pirates as unscrupulous as the villains on shore. Now the children gather there at sunset to play carefree on the high wall overlooking the Gulf of Panama. Old Spanish houses are built with the yard inside. It is delightfully intimate and cozy, but not very democratic. Green and clean and cool are these little parked interiors of the better houses. Some of the common patios are dirty and disheveled, and the worst of them are better left alone, but the American Health Department looks after the sanitation of them all. Chino Chinese shops sell everything, but aside from the fine stores on Central Avenue are mostly devoted to native trade. Out in the interior, the Chinese storekeepers transact practically all the business of the country. Wherever there are two or three families gathered together, there the Chinese storekeeper is sure to appear ready to harvest any small or large coins that may be in circulation. There were at one time about 500 saloons of all sorts in Panama. This number has been greatly reduced with hope of complete extinction owing to the exigencies of the nearby American soldiers on the Canal Zone. The monthly payroll of the zone is a stream of gold and it is a case of losing that gold or cleaning up Panama Military orders and voluntary boycotts made Panama a lonesome town for the latter part of 1918. There is the official lottery, suspiciously located. To be sure, the bishop does not personally supervise the drawings, and perhaps he does not get anything out of it, but no one knows who Panama claims such to be the case. When did the hierarchy ever oppose a gambling game that promised profit for the cause? Gaunt, hungry-looking cripples and pobres hang out about the corners selling lottery tickets. Evidently, none of the profits come to these unfortunates. Panama City has its neighborhoods like any other old-world town. Inside the old wall includes the original fortified town on the little peninsula jutting into the bay. Here live officials, professional and businessmen, Beyond this lies the town that overflowed the wall and now reaches down to the park in front of the Tivoli Hotel. This is the Barrio of Santa Ana. Caledonia and Guachapali. and San Miguel lie across the railway and serve to fill in the space between the Spanish town and the exposition grounds. A mile and a half beyond the palaces of the exposition lies Bella Vista, beautiful for situation and rivaling Southern California for its real estate enterprise. Over toward the canal is Corilla, between the cemetery and Ancon Hill. At the end of the five-cent car fare on the line to the Savannas is the famous, or infamous, bull ring. Who said that bullfights had been abandoned? Not much. Between bullfights and prize fights, the season is not allowed to drag, and it must be admitted that the number of American patrons of these brutalizing contests is not to the credit of the kind. The open market where the fishermen come ashore is one of the show places of Panama. Pangas and chingas and craft of every sort, except the modern kind, bring in on high tide cargoes of bananas, coconuts, charcoal, camotes, rice, sugar, syrup, rum, papayas, mangoes, lanzones, chiotes, Poultry, pigs, ivory nuts, and a score of fruits and vegetables, unnameable by the uninitiated. When the tide recedes, the boats lie high, if not very dry, and the unloading proceeds apace. It is an interesting and lively scene, and the bicker and barter go on by the hour. Hard by is the big native market, resort of housekeepers and servants in search of commissary bargains. This one is fairly clean and is the morning recreation of thousands of shoppers. Panama has its theaters of the sort to be expected. One of the movie houses compares well with the best anywhere, and most of the others are in good condition. The National Theater is a credit to the country and forms a section of the National Palace. On the Canal Zone, the clubhouses, sometimes called YMCAs, Put on several picture shows a week in commendable effort to supply recreation to their patrons. The architecture of the old churches is a bit disappointing to travelers who have seen the splendid buildings of other Latin lands. The cathedral has two modern towers, a clock in one of them, and the twelve apostles in life size on the facade. The Jesuit church by the Malachon is very old and rather interesting. Recently a new concrete tower has been added, of striking appearance, but not closely in conformity with the architecture of the church. This church contains a famous old painting of purgatory and heaven, and down below the flames of the lost. It is notable that in the place of purgatory are bishops, priests, and kings. There are ten people in heaven and ten in purgatory, and of each ten, three are women. Query. Where did the painter think that the women belong? It is an interesting question, especially for the women. The big Merced Church on Central Avenue has a curious and interesting little street chapel on the corner of the sidewalk. And here are arranged curious exhibitions at Christmas and Easter. I saw here the ancient village of Bethlehem with the inn and manger and oxen, but there were also a miniature lake with a steamboat and a grocery wagon delivering goods to the ancient Bethlehemites. The stores bore advertisements of patent breakfast foods. No place can be truly romantic until it possesses some good ruins, and Panama claims distinction in the old flat arched church near the palace. The interior is now used as a garage, and no one but the tourist seems to think the place of any interest. Two blocks away stands the facade of the fine old stone church that has been a ruin now for years. The interior is now a stable and the old walls of the college have been used for the construction of a modern, cheap tenement house. The stone front of the old wall stands as a fine example of the architecture and building of 1751 when the church was finished. The San Filippi Neri Church at the corner of Avenida B and 4th Street is made from stone carried in from Old Panama. The church is said to have the most beautiful interior in the city, but as it is very rarely open to the street, the visitor will have to accept the statement without opportunity to judge for himself. The savannas lie northeast of Panama and beyond the ruins of Old Panama. The rolling slopes of green and the growing number of villas will make this strip of country valuable and famous before long. Of Panama's hotels, not much need to be said, except that they are good of their kind. Latin hotel standards are different from those of North America, but good judges of hotel life have pronounced those of Panama to be quite endurable. There are always two or three daily papers in Panama and an indefinite number of weeklies. An immemorial custom exists By which when any citizen has anything on his mind that he feels he should unload to the profit or otherwise of the public, a printed pronunciamento is issued and circulated about the streets by boys, handed out freely to everybody in sight. This really effective method is sometimes used for important matters of state. The educational system is modeled upon the best Latin American standards with primary schools of four grades throughout the Republic. Provincial centers have schools with two and in a few cases, four years more. The National Institute at the foot of Ancon Hill maintains a normal school for men and a Lyceo which grants the degree of Bachelor of Arts upon the completion of about the equivalent of the American college freshman year. The young women are given a normal course in the women's normal school at the exposition grounds. There is no co-education above the primary grades. The agricultural experimental farm and school, abandoned as an experiment station, is used as a reform school. Toboga Island lies offshore and furnishes a point of much interest. It is the weekend mecca of the zone people and also of many of the Panamanians. There are a good American hotel several fair native hotels, good fishing, tramping, an interesting native village, a healthful climate, and a fine view, and all within 10 miles of Panama. If the prowler is looking for real adventure, he can seek for it on Gokos Island, 300 miles south of Panama. Here are said to lie hidden somewhere 10 millions of dollars worth of treasure stolen from Calao and other points between 1820 and 1830. Harvey Montmorency wrote it up in a book entitled On the Track of the Treasure. And so well did he tell the story that four large expeditions have been organized and sent to find it. One man is said to have found a little gold for his pains, but the others went home poorer than they came. And if these are two easy destinations, there lies the Galapagos Islands, off the coast of Peru, said to contain many possibilities of many kinds. Peru is supposed to have the islands on the market, and anybody with the money can purchase one, all his own. End of Section 3